let me confess. I have always wanted to have an agony ant column. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because I could just see you scribbling away, like in some 18th century cottage, answering people's questions about, you know, should I use carbolic soap after sex? <laughs> but guess Could what? I cure this itching feeling? <laughs> Welcome to the Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast, where we explore all things sex, sexuality, and pleasure. I'm Nanada Mwasichema. And I'm your girl, Malika Grant. And it's the last episode of our first season. <laughs> Why are you crying? Malika, I'm sad. Like, I don't want this to end. It's been so much fun. I've learned so much. I have, like, new tips and tricks that, you know, I will incorporate into my sex life whenever it picks up again. <laughs> Sorry. It's why you laughing at I believe me. in you. Uh? <laughs> because your sex life will pick up. You have a sex drawer. Like, you can't tell me. All you have to do is pick up your sex life and get it on. That's true. It's within arm's reach. You're right. You're right. True. True, true. And don't be sad. I mean, this just means that, you know, we'll have something else to look forward to. It's like going from one orgasm to the next. Yes. Like we say to people, it's like, you know, you just need to keep coming and coming and coming. <laughs> keep coming. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, shout out to all of you for riding with us this far. And for today's episode, we turned the mic over and invited you to share your sex and relationship questions with us. And then we gathered an incredible group of humans to help us answer them. Yay, Nana, tell them who they are. Okay, so some of them you've met before in previous episodes. Do you remember Kina from our episode on sex and aging? She's a person I described as my favorite feminist. Thank you. <laughs> Kina, it's wonderful to have you here. Thank How are you, you doing? Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Yay. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yes, mm-hmm. we're going to get into it. And then we have Mo. Mo is in the house. <laughs> Mo's in the house. Mo is a communication strategist and an activist. So excited to have you here, Mo. I am happy to be here again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mo was on the Dicks and Masculinity episode. So if you did not listen to it, you want to go check it out. And this is a woman who I'm a huge, huge fan of. Like, if you haven't checked out this comic series called Moon Girls, go check it out right now. It's by none other than Nana Kusia Hansen, who is hey. just, hey, all around fabulous. Like, just too yeah. fabulous. Aww. Just actress. Oh, also creatively directs the Adventures Life Festival, has done so for like... Pristine Lee. Yes, Charlie. Fresh on. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Excited to be here. It's yeah. the Adventures Podcast. Okay, so let's kick it off with some questions that we have here from our fabulous adventures community. Um, so let me start with Mo. Hmm. How do you know when is the right time to sleep with someone? <laughs> <laughs> like, ease you into that. <laughs> <laughs> 
And this is one of the easiest questions. And this is one of the easiest <laughs> So like Mo, you are a gay man. I'm a straight woman. And boring. You, boring. So boring. <laughs> <laughs> but like for me as a straight woman, I know it's the right time for me to sleep with someone. How do you know when it's the right it's time? It's always the right with time with someone. <laughs> 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 um, but you know, talk about in your context, like how does that work for you? Well, every time is the right time for a game <laughs> to we be have that honest. In common. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it also depends if you're into it at that moment because it takes two people to have sex or more, or more, or even just you. But then yes. when, when there is someone um, in addition, then it has to be like a two-way um, thing and. God knows my boyfriend hate this, but I I ask, <laughs> mm. are we going to have sex? <laughs> mm-hmm. And he hates yeah. that. He feels like that is a boner killer or something. But I I have to know mm-hmm. because of also like there's you have to do so much before mm-hmm. you have gay sex. Mm-hmm. So if you do not know, then you take all this time to clean up and everything, and then now it's like useless. So I I ask, but then generally it's natural instinct. You would know when to do it because. Yeah. I'm with you more on wanting to know when you're going to have sex. Like my last long term boyfriend as well. I actually wanted us to plan sex and put it in the calendar. Uh-uh. Oh wow. I'm sorry. This is the kind of person I am. And he was like that same. Is wild. He was like, no, that's off putted. For me, there's something about the anticipation. So if I know sex is happening on a Wednesday night, like I can get excited during the day. I can start to think of what lingerie I'm going to wear. But then if like I'm tired and then I'm in bed and then you put your hand on my breast. I'm, I'm like, I'm not in the mood, you know? I'm, I'm looking at you funny because I plan things like go to the grocery store, get chicken when you're at the grocery store. I'm like, I'm not gonna, if I have to have that on my list, I'm like, I like after I come and I pick up chicken and I'm not anticipating sex. I'm like, oh, great. We get to have it now with like before the casserole. So I'm just looking at you like. But, but you know, I have to say this is when I'm in a long term relationship, right? Okay. Like I like the spontaneous sex as well. You've just seen someone and that's like chemistry sizzling between the two of you but when you're in a relationship with somebody like I feel like where this question is also coming from right is it's coming from that perspective that you don't want to have sex too early with someone that if you have sex too early then you're a loose woman actually it's always about a woman it's never this is very Mm -hmm. gendered right Mm -hmm. and so I think women have this fear about when is the right time to have sex with someone if I have sex with them on the first day Mm -hmm. does that mean I'm a slut Kina, oh, do you have no. any reactions to yeah. that? Um, <laughs> it's a loaded question. Give yourself grace. It just takes society out of your head. But give yourself the grace in case you had the sex and it wasn't what you wanted. Yeah. Because I think that um, learning to give yourself grace is a good thing to have as a woman. You know, you may not want to, so then don't do it. You may not feel like it, don't do it. But if for any reason... Um, you know how these things happen. Then if you feel bad after it or you felt like, well, I shouldn't have done that or this is not something I want to continue with, just give yourself the grace. Because um, I always, these days, I think because I have a teenage son, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking more, not so much about the sexual act because I think we put a lot of emphasis on the sexual act as opposed to I'm looking a lot more at the emotion behind it the emotional development and i'm even finding that as adults we have issues to do with the emotion um so when if you feel good but if anything goes wrong 
give yourself grace none of it for your fault you know yeah. i like that yeah. i really like yeah. that yeah it's a bit sobering <laughs> no but like i feel like sex is one of those like and there is no manual no we pretend as if like there is a manual but there isn't so we just have to go with the flow what makes us comfortable so again you would know when you know that it's gonna happen yeah we listen to like that voice within yourself yeah Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about there's no manual because you know when you come from a religious background they try to give you a manual. Exactly. So that segues us into our next question. Good job Mo for pulling this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so this question is I am 18 years old and in my first year at university I'm from a very Christian background and my family is Catholic and I was born and raised in the Catholic Church. I've dated boys on and off in junior high school and high school, but now I feel I would like to explore my sexuality as possibly being bisexual, but I'm afraid that it's sinful and that my family will judge me and disown me. How do I accept myself and explore my sexuality without my family finding out? They will find out. (laughs) Eventually. Eventually. (laughs) You always do. Hmm. Hmm. It's a big question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I'm, I got, I question whether their family needs to find out. Mm. And I think you can delay your family finding out. And yeah, just like give yourself some space to actually figure out your own sexuality and figure out who you are. And they may find out years down the line when you're more confident in yourself. Also, I mean, I don't even understand why people want to know about the other family members like <laughs> sex life yes. Yes. well we are in everybody's <laughs> business in Africa. <laughs> that's, that's we are, true. yeah we are always a village so it, <laughs> it's not surprising that people are always poking because culturally that's what we are everybody's in everybody's business and it's especially very difficult with this because um you're different mm. You are going to explore something that you are not supposed to in code. Mm-hmm. So it's different. This whole thing, it comes with the whole self-acceptance and going through the phase. And, you know, it's a whole struggle because now you're going to be part of the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, nobody wants to carry that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of um understand. And she's 18. She's 18. And that's the other point I was going to come to. So like people who might be listening from other parts of the world where an 18 year old is an emancipated person. Mm-hmm, right. So mm-hmm. they should be able to feel and do whatever they want to do. That's not, not the Ghana. case. Not in Ghana. No. you know. No. Not in most parts of Africa, really, you know. Um, and it's like you are still a child. Like my father still considered me a child until I was 35. And I'm like, I've got. That's the UN definition. <laughs> <laughs> it's even the South African definition yeah. of a youth, you know. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I do commiserate with her totally, you know, being 18 years old and still feeling like she has very little agency um, over this. So for those of you who are listening from other parts of the world asking what's her problem, that's the problem. But first of all, congratulations to her anyway, yes. because she recognizes that she wants to explore something. Secondly, she doesn't have to answer that question in the next six months. Mm. 
she has her whole entire life. You know, I remember my mother telling me once that life can be very long and it can also be very short. So just assume this is your whole life. There's no rush. The most important thing for her is that she takes the space, listen to how she feels, listen to how she's reacting to people. And that's all she has to do for now. The rest, life will take care of itself, I think. Yeah. I 100% agree to everything that said. I would also just add that. I mean, maybe read other people's stories, other bisexual women. Adventures from the Bedrooms of African mm-hmm. Women was my, mm-hmm. like opening to oh wow so i can so i feel this way and people feel this way too it, and it, it does so much for you like that breaking of the ceiling you know that and the manuals that they give you and especially with this christian background there's also going to be a lot of shame a lot of um self-deprecation and, and things like that and so what you said about listening to yourself despite all of this kind of telling yourself they they put a program in my head let me try to erase that program. What program would I create if I was creating my own program? You know, try to do that. At 18, the world is yours. Explore yourself, learn yourself. Um, and eventually down the line, if your parents would need to know, um, that's going to help you build your, your confidence because you're coming to them from yourself, not from the, the outside, not from any peer pressure, not from anything, you know, it's from yourself. And don't be ashamed of it. Learning what nature is telling you about you you know is, is what i'll say and charlie more grease more grease we are we are here with her adventures from the bridge of african women <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and i i think she was also asking about self-acceptance yes yes and acknowledging that um she is open to knowing is the beginning of yes. the journey to self-acceptance sometimes it's very long it's a very long road sometimes but then she would definitely get there. And um, she also doesn't have to really have physical contact mm-hmm. with women to be yes. bisexual. Yeah. Um, the attraction, the physical, psychological attraction, it's enough for her to know that um, she is bisexual. So she doesn't have to do, quote unquote, the from her perspective, the sinful act mm-hmm. <laughs> to mm-hmm. know that she's bisexual. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... Kudos to her, and I wish her well in her journey. Yes, we she all should. Do. Yeah. Okay, so that actually brings us to a, a really good follow-up question, which is about safety. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says, "Can you share any tips on safely navigating online dating as a queer person in Accra, especially with the anti-LGBT bill about to be passed?" What can we do to protect ourselves? First of all, Mo, can you explain the bill for anybody who has never heard of this bill before? It's got a long, ridiculous name. It's plenty. I know. <laughs> In summary, the, the bill is supposed to nip the activities of the LGBTQ in the back by, um, uh, hmm, it's ridiculous, by putting people in prison, queer people, if you stand out, as a queer person, you don't even have to do anything. If you say, I am gay, then you are supposed to go to jail. Um, five years or three years less. And um, if you were a supporter of the community, an ally, you would go for 10 years. Um, if you are a service provider and you provide services to queer people, that is you being an ally, 10 years. Um, yeah, so it goes on and on. And uh, the part that I find very disturbing nobody's talking about is the um, extradition 
apart if you're queer and even in the diaspora in a country where Ghana and the country has an extradition agreement, they can actually extradite you Mm-mm. and come for the punishment. So, and I don't know how nobody <laughs> saw that. I think it criminalizes sympathy. They criminalize sympathy. They have parents and family members surveilling. Mm-hmm. These are things that are not in our West law. And I mean, it's insane. Extradition. It's, if some, <laughs> It's just crazy. Yeah, extradition. It's just so crazy. So basically, that is the bill. And I think it's, I'm going to try to mention the title. I'll mention it for you. I actually have (laughs) to Google this. It's like six lines long. It's called the Promotion of Proper Human Sexual Rights and Guinean Family Family Values Values Bill. 2021. (laughs) (laughs) But even if it doesn't get passed, right? Like, there's so much damage that has been done um, um, to people's lives. I'm not queer, but my first household in my whole life was a queer household. It has made me feel so insecure. It's broken my heart. Um, so even if it's not passed, some real tangible damage has been done. Exactly. To which we have to claw our way back. And the fact that a bunch of people can sit there and make a law this heinous. I mean, I always, I always know that Ghana is not a safe place. But I'm shocked. And I insist on being shocked because some writer of ours said we must, I think it was Jamaica Kincaid, we must insist on being shocked. I mm. must never say this is Ghana. So mm. I'm shocked. Yeah. You yeah. know, I insist on uh, saying that this has pained me. This has been heartbroken. This has shocked me. Mm. Because it's not just about the law. It has emboldened people in their hate. Yeah. 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 Like blackmail and physical abuse yeah. went up the roof. Mm since the um the bill was presented it was crazy um and i do understand the question the person asked because like safety is key Mm -hmm. and basically you have to check so many things that you do as a queer person in ghana currently um try to minimize going out socializing like minimize it um i find myself spending like six days out of a week at home mm. thankfully i work remotely so i don't have to go anywhere so yeah um try to do that but that's kind of sad it's very like sad. yeah from last year when the place was closed that was when the journey started for most of us the lgbtq activists because um at that time you had to take some measures and because some of us were also being <laughs> arrested so we had to be very cautious so now you don't have any other option mm-hmm than to stay home like forced quarantine or something now it's kind of like a normal thing for me <laughs> sort of so coming out is quite a struggle so yeah um these are some of the things you can do to keep safe um when you're using the dating apps just be sure before you meet somebody and try to keep those that you already know instead of like go out searching because that is also very dangerous. And, and the struggle with that is if you keep those you already know, yeah, stuck in this kind of um, circle of people who you don't want to be with anymore because yeah. they hurt you in the past yeah. and you don't want to date them anymore. So this is what the bill does, right? <laughs> Where straight people could go anywhere and be free and chase mm-hmm. their life and mm-hmm. find the love of their life. Mm-hmm. You know, LGBT poor have to 
stay indoors. This, this, this is a prime of your life. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. your 20s, yeah, your 30s, <laughs> you're supposed to be living life and you're, you're caged because yeah. <laughs> of this, you yeah. know, this is the damage even yeah. without the bill, yeah. right? This is the damage because people want to find love too. People, exactly. people want to go out and have fun, whore around, whatever. They can't do that. Right. Right. And it's, it's ruining everything it's yeah. crazy psychological damage it's crazy exactly. like yeah. you're making a human being act abnormally right. like yeah 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 acting as though you're in war but your body is not supposed to be in war you well know? but you are in war but you are in war <laughs> yeah. let's be clear you yeah. are in war yeah. it's, it's a war it's, it is and the thing it's is mad. i feel like a lot of straight people don't realize that they are in war too mm-hmm. um because while the main target is the lgb community Inside the minutia of the bill, it affects all of us. So it behooves all of us, straight, gay, and everything around and in between. Anybody who is breathing <laughs> and is a Ghanaian needs to rise up and fight against this bill. Mm-hmm. I, and I, as a Christian, I definitely challenge Christians to lend their voice and their power and everything they can do to fight against this bill because it's literally against the Bible. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering if we have any other tips in terms of dating online. And Akusi, have you ever dated online? I'm scared. Like, I, I won't... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm also a very private person. Going on online dates is not how I meet my people. I meet my people from real, like, we've interacted in some way, you know, or... Uh, I've never really met anyone online. Um, it's always just been... I met them in spaces I worked in or moved in or whatever. So, yeah, yeah don't trust it generally. So that brings us to we have a lot of questions about yeah. polyamory. Um, Nana Kosia, you are our resident <laughs> semi expert on polyamory. <laughs> so I'm going to ask this question and look at your face and ask oh, you to pressure, answer. Pressure, pressure. <laughs> I'm currently monogamous, but looking to explore polyamory. How do I safely transition from being monogamous to being polyamorous? Nana Akusia, do you remember when I first became interested in polyamory, I reached out to you to have a conversation. And I think you felt like you shared some gems with me, which I found super helpful. Awesome. I really is working. (laughs) I mean, it's not working because we're in Ghana. (laughs) It's not because of the advice you gave me. Okay, 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 okay. All right. So um, the question is, how do you safely move from monogamy to polyamory? Yes. Um, I would say, first of all, polyamory is not a light thing to do. It's not just another uh, fetish or something just to try for a while or it can be real um, damaging Mm -hmm. to you. First off, you don't know yourself. If first off, you're not doing this for you. If first off, you don't do a lot of work with with learning the type of human being you are. Monogamous relationships um, can be toxic. Polyamorous relationships can be very toxic as well. If your monogamous relationships have been in a pattern of toxicity, don't expect polyamory to be the escape from that toxicity. It would actually just double, triple, quadruple it, mm-hmm. you know, because it really is the, the same... Um, dynamics you're being in relationships with people how do you relationship with people how do you relationship with the one person you've been with for a while 
Um, and now, um, how is that going to be like when you're relationshiping with one or two other people? First of all, how do you relationship with yourself? With polyamory, you have to learn to be alone. That's the first advice I give people. You have to learn to be alone because it's, it's you learning to be alone so you can give everyone else the rules to how they can engage with you. Otherwise, what's going to happen is going to be a lot of... Um, people using the term to rather do um, um, toxic things. So for instance, people are polyamorous, but really they're monogamous and cheating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really, really, right? I'm seeing a lot of guys using that term now, right? Mm -hmm. um, um, so that they can cheat and, and cheating, not just physically cheating. There's also the emotional cheating. There's also the, the, the abuse also that comes in. So I'll say just to round it off, like, um, how do you safely move from monogamy to polyamory? Look into it, you know, read, read real stories about it. Read how it really moves and feel like. Talk to people who are actively doing it, not for the fact of it, and just see what their lives have been like and, and hear the, from their experiences. And you yourself, you know, have that conversation with yourself. How would it be like to love this person? I'll say with me, um, just drawing from personal experiences, um, I always thought I was monogamous, right? That's how you're trained. You're going to get this man and you're going to be this big woman with this man and you do these things. But I, as I remember my first relationships, what, 10, 11, I, I have a boyfriend and then I'll, I'll, I'll cheat with someone else because <laughs> this didn't go well this way. Like, I just naturally felt, oh, I don't get this from this person, but I also really love this person and I'm, I, I don't want this person to go away this way. I get this from this person and that's all this is or this person who does this. So it's like looking at my patterns and seeing how things went and then being truthful and honest to yourself. And most importantly, learn to be alone. Mm. Learn, learn to enjoy. It's not loneliness. Learn to enjoy the power of solitude. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I'll say. That's good advice for anybody. People need to learn to self-soothe. Yes. Yes. Mm. yes. <laughs> I think the thing that I like about polyamory is the insistence on openness and honesty, honesty and yeah. communication, right? Even if it's hard, even if it's difficult. And at the same time, I feel like Ghana is almost an impossible place to be as a polyamorous <laughs> person. <laughs> You know, um, there was an article that my friend Kobna Graham wrote a while back, which I am always, always quoting. I even quoted it in my book where he spoke about phonogamy, mm -hmm. you know, and phonogamy, phonogamy, what's that? False monogamy. Oh, oh. monogamy. Yeah, I remember that Yes. Article. And that's what we have in Ghana. Like for the most part, people say they are monogamous, but they are not. Mm -hmm. They're not. I actually don't see Ghanaians as monogamous. No, but no. people claim to be monogamous. Must be the women because the men certainly are not. Um, acting I don't even like think the women are monogamous. The women, yes, yeah, like the women are. That's what I'm saying. I don't. I actually, I don't know a single married person who is. <laughs> <laughs> you are just going to like. Ah. No, in Facts. fact, no, no, let's be clear. Facts. The men. The men and I, I can I only have access to the men because the women they are not telling me things right. But the men, <laughs> I do not have a single married male friend, young or old, who is not constantly having a bit on the side and sometimes heavy duty stuff and a lot of times going into the marriage with a cast of characters. Mm. And I mean, they will say things like, oh, this year I did well. So I don't know that Ghanaian society is pretending to be monogamous. Yeah, It's a normal thing. It's, and, and, and very abusive. And, and very people abusive. should yeah, just exactly. be honest. Exactly. I won't even call it polyamory, right? It's it's because power. polyamory... Yeah, it's power, it's right? It's power. Me, I, I define polyamory as it's, it's love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're saying I'm trying to love 
these different human beings. So that could even be, how do you nav- navigate your love for your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother? How do you love, navigate love with your colleagues in the workplace? So it's not just this, um, oh yeah, I'm poly, so now I'm allowed to do whatever. Yeah, actually saying I'm now going to allow um, my vulnerability to these number of people. And I'm also going to carry all these number of people's vulnerabilities. And that's what most of them don't want to do. I want to mm-hmm. I want to have the physical power. I want to be able mm-hmm. to do all of that. But to be able to carry the side chick's emotions that you have roused mm-hmm. right is the duty none of them want to do exactly. you know what i'm saying I'm, oh i want to be able to call you and come and sleep with you here i want to be able to do all of that but when she starts to wonder why oh why haven't you called me today or why didn't you care that it was my birthday or why did you hold me why didn't you cuddle me uh, no you should know your place yeah. <laughs> you know that's the abuse that's not poly love So that is actually a really good segue into the next question, which is, can you please share any tips for dealing with jealousy in a polyamorous relationship? If a relationship is truly polyamorous, is there room for jealousy as you, our resident expert, (laughs) (laughs) described it? (laughs) Facts. There's always going to be jealousy. There's Mm. always going to be envy. There's always... Um, let me not call them bad emotions, but there's always those emotions that come. But then the real thing is, what do we do with those emotions, right? You feel jealousy, you feel anger. When when you have an anger problem, you feel really angry at something. Someone with anger problems has learned maybe, let me not throw this. What I'll do is go to the room, sit with myself and calm myself down. That's a way to deal with it. Anger is an emotion, but it doesn't mean you act on it. It passes, mm-hmm. It passes like a mood that passes. And it doesn't mean if you're poly, you don't have jealousy in any way. I think people have been, we've been socialized to act on emotions. On on jealousy specifically. Like you're allowed to be jealous. Yeah, and and anger. anger. And like I went through this whole thing where I I was trying emotional development. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) And a statement like emotions are not facts. I'm like, wow. Because we are not taught this. It's like you are in love, you must act. You are angry, you must act. No, even if I'm in love, only act on things that make you feel good and make people feel safe. So even if I'm in love and I don't don't have to act on it, I can sit here and be like, oh, Kina, you're getting upset. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Emotions are not fact. They will pass. Yes. They are like moves that have Yes, they will just go. Yeah, 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 but but you're allowed to feel them. You should feel them, but acting on them, yeah, that is the thing. Very careful. I think people, and a lot of times, people try not to acknowledge that they are jealous. Yeah, like you are jealous. Accept that you're jealous, and in that way, you can work on it. But if you keep lying to yourself, it will keep being there. Yeah. So you need to acknowledge it and then reflect and work on it. That is what something that people don't do. Yeah. yeah. Am I the only person in this room who's not in a polyamorous relationship? Because I'm looking around. I'm and not. I'm, like, I'm not. <laughs> you are not. Kina's not. I think it's. I'm uh, not three. right now because Charlie, I'm so single, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so dealing with jealousy still, and in this 
context of polyamory. Um, this question is, I've been in a long-term relationship with my girlfriend for almost five years. Recently, I was honest with her and told her that I find myself sexually attracted to someone I work with. This has brought feelings of insecurity for her. And now she doesn't believe me when I say I love her. How do I explain to her that me being sexually attracted to someone who is not her does not automatically diminish how I feel about her? Hmm. That's deep. Very deep. There are two things going on in the question. Mm -hmm. One is, does the partner being sexually attracted to somebody else infringe or affect the emotion they have for the existing relationship? And then the other one is, will the partner act on it? Mm -hmm. Give it time. Time is the only thing you have to lose. Just give it time because they may not know. Mm. People like to rush and make uh, decisions. <laughs> let, let the thing play out. Let it happen. Let it happen. But Again, you... it's emotions. So, yeah. yes, the fact that you've fallen in love and been in relationship with somebody for five years, you've already risked the broken heart. That, look, at the end of it, either you die or they die. Mm. There's broken hearts coming. Mm. <laughs> Isn't it the it's case? Time. No, but there's broken hearts coming. I I wonder why we always think that we can somehow avoid the flip side of love, which is pain. And the pain will come either they left you, they died, something happened. It is going to come. Give grace to yourself and them. Let it play out and then make a decision. Mm. And the thing is, you know, I don't think there has to be a connection between sex and love. Thank you. So this person is actually coming to you as their partner and telling you how they're sexually attracted to somebody. I think for me personally, what's more interesting is that they could speak openly and honestly to you about their attraction to somebody else. And like you guys have been saying, the fact that you're attracted to someone doesn't mean you're going to act on it. But I like the openness and honesty. And I think people should be able to have more conversations like that, you know? I think that this is a good place to ask Kina this question because Kina is all about wait and see what happens. (laughs) And, you know, we're talking about feelings of jealousy. So this question is, my boyfriend cheated on me while on holiday. Everyone is saying I should let it go because he's typically a good guy and very unproblematic and that I should take it as a good sign that he told me rather than simply not telling me and lying about it if I ever found out. And to be fair, he has been faithful and committed to me in the three years that we've been dating, but I still feel betrayed and I can't move past this. How do I manage this situation? There's a lot of negative things she's saying. The whole thing is impactful. <laughs> Can you see? <laughs> she said uh, not problematic. All the... Ah. Okay. Um, but first of all, it makes her feel bad. Mm-hmm. So she needs to process mm-hmm. why it makes her feel bad. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of let it go. Talk it out again. Give it time to see how you feel about this person in light of what has happened. There's a huge betrayal. Always have boundaries with yourself that you know, these are my boundaries and I will not go beyond this boundary. Not so much that that person will not infringe upon my boundary. What are your boundaries? Um, But if it makes you feel bad, acknowledge that it makes you feel bad. Some line or some boundary has been crossed and make that clear that this has happened. Mm -hmm. 
I love Kina's advice because it's the opposite of what I would do. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? You cross my boundary. Bye bye. Yeah, but that's comfortable. Oh. But it's the same thing. It's comfortable for you to yes, make that decision. Very. Yeah. For me, holding on to like and thinking about it and giving it space and time. It's a lot of energy. It's killing me inside. <laughs> I want to just make the decision, you know, and just cut it off, and then I'm done. We have another question here that relates to timing and sex. And this one is very interesting. Um, so people who are parents and people who have been children themselves are all qualified to answer. <laughs> <laughs> so this one says, my eight-year-old daughter has recently started asking me questions about her body and relationships between boys and girls and telling me which boys in her class like which girls i feel like this is a good time to start talking to her about sex body autonomy etc but i'm hesitant because i feel as though she's still quite young and maybe i'm jumping the gun i have two questions how young is too young to talk about sex and two how do i talk about sex with my child in a way that is factually accurate and appropriate for her age um, parents always want to be factually accurate. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Your first anxiety should be the factual. I don't know what factually accurate is. You want, first of all, let me just say, uh, as early as possible, it's never too early. Um, I remember, um, I think Kobe must have been four or five and um, he'd come across the fancy word for penis, Kotsi. Oh, nice. And okay, I, I, yes, I was sitting there and he just started running around the room. Cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to shock me, you know? So I was like, wow, copy. I acted shocked. But then I said to myself, yeah, if you can say continue, we, we can start conversations. Mm -hmm. um, so it's never, ever too early. You want to build that trust with the child. And so you can't wake up at age 18 mm -hmm. when they have overcome their fear for you to become an authority on sex with your child because you are the parent. Parents always do this. Mm -hmm. You need to build that trust. It's like you didn't just wake up at age 18 and tell your child to brush their teeth. You've been training them. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's the same exactly. You you can't just come out. Parents do that. Like I'm, I'm the authority. So when I get up today, I want to talk to you at age 21. No, you've lost your authority. Yeah, yeah. By the time they were 12, you lost your authority. Mm -hmm. So it, it's never too early. Mm -hmm. And don't worry about being factually accurate. Put your fear aside and make it a safe space. Let them feel like they can come to you. Talk to them. Be very open and vulnerable about your own experience. Because when you start talking to kids, eventually, like, mommy, how old were you? Hmm. So I'll be like, yeah, this is how old I was. And was it the best thing I did? No, maybe this is why X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. He's not going to run for the hills. At most, you'll be like, ew, mommy and sex. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes at my age? Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, he's called me ancient and called my mother a relic. So oh, we my are, God. oh, my God. We, yeah, we are so old. <laughs> So, you know, they will ask. And so you have to answer because who would you rather give this information Facts. to them? Mm -hmm. Where would you rather they were safe? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Facts. I think that we mostly undermine the capabilities of children. Sure. Mm -hmm. And most of the um, fear and panic in the quest to protect children 
comes from this fact that we fail to acknowledge that kids are like very, very curious people. We were all kids before. And as we grow up and then we become parents and we start being all restrictive and stuff like that, it's quite worrying because you've been there. You know what it is like to be a child. The questions, the anxiety, the confusion that comes with it. So why would you put someone else through that? Like you have to lay down a plain paper for the person to draw whatever. But then we project so many of our insecurities on our children. So you find parents going too crazy when their child go contrary to what they are. And then it'd be like, oh, I raised him to be this and then he became this. Like, you are not supposed to raise somebody to become something. The person is supposed to become themselves. So you're just supposed to guide them. So the eight-year-old needs answers. Give her the answers. This is also like a lesson I told my mom. And that was like me coming out last year you know because i had to <laughs> yeah i had to so um she was going crazy i'm like where did i go wrong and all of that you know the typical african um Ghanaian muslim woman <laughs> and i'm like well, hold on how are you making this about you mm-hmm. i am the one who's going to receive beating on the street not you so <laughs> let's pause first <laughs> so yeah and then i had to speak to her for her to know that so many things that she's thinking and the pain she's feeling right now, it's because she wants to feel them. I didn't bring you those pains. Mm. You are bringing it to yourself. I am becoming the person that I am supposed to be. And you have to find a, a way to be okay with that. It's difficult, but then you do have to find a way to be okay with that. I am your child and you've given me all the things available and I get to make my decisions and this is what I came up with because I'm a human being of my own I have my own thought process and I get to choose Mm. so yeah that is what we should do to kids we have to give them the space to grow and to choose for themselves because we have so many children that are stunted emotionally Mm. because Mm. of this and we need to check that I think the sex conversation is very difficult for so many parents because you know, the reason we have this blog and we have this podcast is because people just don't know anything about sex outside of what Disney taught them and what, you know. Dis- they, Disney don't even teach Disney sex. don't even no, teach it. You know. sex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the little bit that they do in, in their bedroom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, the, the world and the idea of sex is so expansive. And that also requires a lot of work on the parents' part to now go and educate themselves. And a lot of people just don't do that. Like, I've had friends who are like, yeah, when my child or my son asked me about sex, I just turned on Animal Planet and left the room oh, wow you know <laughs> and like the person was completely serious he was like oh yes he can God. watch the lions do what they do and, and figure oh, out wow. you know, what? In between, um which is oh, terrible wow. animalistic <laughs> exactly you know and then you're concerned because your son now has an affinity for sheep and question is an interesting question um mo you are not qualified to answer this question (laughs) but it says when i was in university i was dating an older man 
well, it says I was dating an older one, so I'm assuming it's a man, um, who would always complain that my vagina had a bad smell. This really affected my self-confidence. Because of this, I'm scared to let anyone go down on me because I'm embarrassed that I smell down there. I'm 29 years old and I've never been eaten out before. Although my most recent partners have said my vagina smells normal and that nothing's wrong with it. I don't believe them. How do I move on from this so I can enjoy sex more? The older man thoughts. was so... Why? Why did he come... <laughs> <laughs> no, but you see, you see what people do. Please you see how relationships are. Why was he coming back if the vagina you? was smelling bad? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the person is no longer in your life, oh, yes, but then but they've given you this trauma true. for... Life. 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 And like, you know, um, vagina smells like vagina. It has its own unique smell. Like it doesn't smell like roses and uh, what's the douche thing? Uh, Summer's Eve. That's not what a vagina is supposed to smell like. And so, you know, you come, you drop your ignorance on somebody and now they're traumatized for life. But he didn't want to eat her out in the first place. There you go. That was it. I think that was an excuse. Beware of men, but beware of older men. Easy. <laughs> I would say to you, listener, believe your current partners. Everything is yes. fine. If they're willing to go down on you, True. I mean, you've also never seen... Also smell yourself. And smell yourself. Yeah. Yes. You know? yeah. No, yeah. it's not for anybody. You, nah. Smell you a know. friend yeah. and, like, compare. Compare? What dogs do? Dogs walk around like... Oh, <laughs> That's my so advice. Funny. Smell a friend. <laughs> I want friends like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to our panel of semi-experts. Because you guys came with not semi-knowledge, with real knowledge, Mm -hmm. with practical life advice, with tips. And yeah, we just appreciate you so very much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for for having us. And remember, everybody, self-soothe. Self awareness. Smell yeah. yourself. Yeah. Smell yourself. <laughs> that is your takeaway from the final yes. episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back for season two, baby. The Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Woman podcast is hosted by Malaika Grant and Anander Kose Chiyama. Freddie Boswell is a senior producer. Fatima Derby is our associate producer. Written by Wana Udobang. Audio editors are Messi Barno and Tevin Sudi. Malaika Grant and Anander Kose Chiyama are executive producers. The Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Woman podcast is a production of AQ Studios in partnership with Masi Media. Mercy Kidaga is our studio administrator and Sally Chum is the AQ Studio CEO. Follow us on all our social media. That's at AQ Studios Podcasts. Our theme music is Damn, performed by Ria Boss. Find Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women anywhere you get your podcasts and in the pursuit of all things sex, sexuality and pleasure, follow us on all our social media platforms at Adventures from Thanks for listening. She got damn, she's so fly. God damn, she might die. She got damn with the goddess life. She everything you were.
Sing and dance.